Jason, without even welcoming you to the to the show or setting you up. Give me the give me the one floor elevator pitch for Spear and Clover. Yeah, so Spear and Clover, particularly our program for entrepreneurs called Dynasty Defined, is okay, really all about. To, I'm sorry, dude, but you're going to have to pump your pump your volume up a little more. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. You just have that really nice, calm, soothing voice, but it's not, you know. It's interesting because it's like oh, blowing me up over here. Yeah, but but I'm showing here. You know what? I even have. Yeah, I can see it on my side. It's yeah, not clipping. Yeah. It's not getting into red. Yeah. And by the way, I hope this makes it. See, I'm clipping there. It's. I, I hope this gets yeah. into the podcast. This is good stuff. If you're if you're wondering what happens behind the scenes on podcasting, yeah, behind, this is a little bit of, great. Unless you're, um, gonna, unless you're gonna all of a sudden shift into like shout mode. If but, I do, uh, I'll push. If I do, I'll push the microphone away a little bit. Push it away. Yeah, Jeez. that's great. Keep me on. So, keep yeah, me honest on that. I will. So give me the one floor. The one floor elevator pitch on Spear and Clover. Here we yeah, go. so basically the folks that I hope I like I help, I like to call them magicians. These are people who have been breaking down walls to get from nothing to the business that they currently have. They they have magic between their ears, they knock down brick walls, and they they maybe struggle to get to the next level, to get through that next brick wall from point one to point two. And so what I try to help them understand is that it's not magic that's between their ears. And in fact, if we take the time, slow down just a little bit, ask each other the right questions, we can scale that magic into science, scale it to a team, and make a much bigger impact on the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's already inspiring when you say I call them magicians. Yeah. You know, I like that because I think that we're we're maybe getting to a place where we don't necessarily believe in magic anymore. Martians landed, yes. wearing Prada suits, yes. drinking Henry's seltzer, yes. chewing juicy fruit. Yes, and your branding here. Yes, brand. Your message here. Yes, and a verse about. Yes, your product here. Yes, I'm Hirsch Redman. Yes, and I'm a message therapist. Yes, and I have a podcast. Yes, brand. That's right. That's it. Yes, we'll help you fix the world. Yes, or your bottom line. All right. Your bottom line. Get it. I get it. Welcome to the Yes Brand Podcast. My guest today is Jason Skizik. Now, Jason has a coaching brand, a community brand called Spear and Clover. And we will get into what that, where that name comes from. I love it. Jason's a U.S. Army veteran. He's a father, a husband, a fighter, a carrier of heavy things, he describes himself, which I also love. So are you coaching them one-on-one? -on -one? Is that the, the model? Yeah, so I take a three-phase approach. So we have a, an information product where they will consume some videos that give them concepts and ask them questions. They'll do some worksheets, and then we actually do it in a cohort model where I bring a group of six entrepreneurs together, and I coach them as well as we work together in kind of a mastermind-type setting. And so that is what I've found to be the best way because for me, I'm a, I'm a community guy. I'm a tribe guy. I've owned a CrossFit gym for 12 years, um, if you don't know. And so because of that, I've seen so much come out of the dialectic, out of people helping each other to solve problems, not just some guru sitting on top of a mountain telling you this is how you should do it, but somebody asking insightful questions and helping with experience share of what they've done to solve similar problems in the past. So first of all, thank you, Jason, for being on Yes Brand. 
Well, for starters, thank you for having me and, and oh, giving me the platform. Pleasure. I appreciate it. Um, my pleasure. I really enjoy talking to you, Hirsch. I don't know if people tell you that often, but <laughs> I do. Um, I do too. I enjoy talking to you. And so I think it would be maybe um, maybe beneficial for me to explain a little bit about how I view marketing. Because I have a friend who's also a marketer. His name's Will Taylor. He's a very interesting and inspiring guy. We're like brothers from another mother, met in a different mastermind. And he visited me one day, and I live here in the Indiana Dunes National Park. And so for that day, here's what we did. We went to jiu-jitsu class. We broke bread. We have a great, had a great lunch together. We put heavy backpacks on, and we walked through the dunes for about five hours. We walked about 12 miles. We had a log. And if I got too tired, he would carry the log. If he got too tired, I would carry the log. We had our two Australian shepherd dogs with us that were having the time of their life, running under them in the woods, playing around and coming and checking on us periodically. I think we did about nine miles that day, and the dogs probably did 20. And at the end of that day, we were sitting on the beach. We live here in Indiana Dunes National Park, right on the shore of Lake Michigan, so there's some beach. We're sitting on the beach, leaning up against this log that we had carried for nine miles. And I looked over at him. I said, this is what marketing is supposed to be, is showing people what it might feel like to be sitting here, you know, sharing a conversation, soaking wet with sweat and, and surf and sand, and them not having to have actually carried the log the whole day. And so for me, the lifestyle that I live informs what the brand is. And so it would be disingenuous of me to create a brand that I didn't live and to espouse philosophies that I wouldn't espouse myself. And so where Spear and Clover has its power is the fact that it was created as a personal core values symbol to symbolize me at my best years before I ever named a company or a podcast after it. And so Spear and Clover helps those folks who have a big, hairy mission that want to make an impact on the world, but they also take time. So they have a big, strong mission and a goal, but they also take time to enjoy life now. They're learning new things. They're trying new things. They're leading with curiosity and friendship and love, but they're also military mindset, hard charging towards those goals. And so that's what the Spear and Clover symbol roughly stands for. And at its best, that's who I serve. That's the folks that I serve is, is that maybe have a big hairy goal and just don't know how to get to the next level. And so we help them to do that. This is something that also is going to come up a lot, I think, on this podcast, because I had a I had a, a conversation yesterday with a life coach and I talked to a lot of life coaches. This wasn't on air. This was just a friend to friend, you know, getting to know somebody. But it was funny how she was saying, well, you know, my coach said to me, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, so you have a you have a coach, too, obviously. And she's like, yeah, you know, I can't see how I can't see how anyone who coaches anybody could not have a coach or how a therapist who gives therapy to someone couldn't have a, wouldn't have a therapist. You know, it's like if we believe in this, if we believe in the idea of coaching, somebody's got to be helping us. Right. Otherwise, it would be like, oh, it's good enough for you. It's not good enough for me. You know, I don't need a coach. I'm I'm elevated and actualized. You need a coach. <laughs> My client needs a coach, but I but I don't need, you know. And then she had asked me, do I have I considered coaching and have I thought about coaching? Because it it seems like what I do in a way is coach clients toward their toward their message. And so I think this whole universe of coaching is uh is a journey that I hope that I hope my my listeners will take with me because I'm also kind of new on this journey of seeking, you know, almost a rabbi, if you will, 
you know, seeking a rabbi for your dreams, you know, seeking yeah. and, and you can have as many people in your life as you want. I don't suspect that you have an exclusive and uh, not an, an exclusion option where it's like, you know, if you're going to work with the spear and clover, you cannot have other, you know, nobody who would have that. So nobody, but I'm warming up really to this whole idea of, of what someone in your life who, who brings accountability into the conversation. And in your case, it brings community friendship. Tell me how that works when you're balancing a real hairy objective and bonding time, personal time, enjoyment, all that stuff. How does, how do, how do you, how do you guide somebody? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. So one of the first things that we do, and this is available for free on our website, spearandclover.com is we put people through what I call a 30 day spear and clover challenge. And what that challenge is, is it's designed as an entrepreneurial reset. And so one of the things we do is we look at our life like a three chambered heart, we have our professional and our career. We have our personal and um, and self. And then we have our family and social. And so we try to balance those things because if I just put all the blood in that heart in one or the other of those areas, the other two will suffer. But by filling up evenly all of them, then we can grow that heart overall. And so a great example of that would be I schedule my week. And I'm not a particularly type A person, but I do want to live what I would call a perfect week. It's literally called my perfect week. And so my perfect week starts not with when I'm working. It starts with my non-negotiables with my family, with my personal self-care like fitness and with my social stuff. I have time set aside on my calendar for all three of those things. And then I reverse engineer my work schedule into it. Obviously, as an entrepreneur, I have a little bit more flexibility there than most, but I would challenge you if you understood exactly what you want your lifestyle to be on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis, that over the course of time, if you only take steps in that direction, you very quickly will have the life of your dreams. And I just mean what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the lifestyle. Exactly. The lifestyle and, and the life organization of your of your yeah. dreams. You know, we discipline ourselves for different things. And I think we don't even realize that we're, that we're disciplining ourselves for our families as well. Yeah. But, you know, we just kind of go about it and do it and pack up the car and do this thing and take the kid this, but, you know, we're like doing those things, but it requires discipline. It requires organization. Like how does the calendar look? What kind of things, maybe you, you mentioned the activities, but like, do you, do you do you put stuff in the calendar a certain way, like the way the verbiage that you use or the way you frame it for your own mind? Yeah, just to give you an idea, I have no more than 20 hours a week of work and I have 72 hours a week of family time. And so that's how I would start. It's blocked off. My life in the morning does not start. Now, that doesn't mean that if I'm having a podcast right. in Australia or Africa, that I'm waking up periodically and, and doing that when I would normally have family time. But in general, my calendar doesn't open until 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, and it closes at 5. That's it. Right. And so if right. you want to be on that calendar from a professional standpoint, that's where you're going to fit it in. And by the way, yeah, maybe I will make an exception from time to time, but I've created a situation where the far balance of what I'm doing is what I'm choosing to do. And those activities that I think are moving me, my relationships, my family, my body forward. Um, and so the types of things that are on there are very simple. In the morning, I spend time with my wife and daughter, Donna and Lucy, and then I go to the gym for about two and a half hours. I come home, shower, have a lunch, 
and then my calendar starts. That's where, you know, we're doing things like recording podcasts, we're recording social media stuff, we're, we're you know, having coaching calls or, or going through cohorts. I'm also, as you alluded to earlier, I believe uh, in, in what Scott Ferguson calls the plus equals minus philosophy, which is plus. I have somebody in my life that I look up to and hold myself accountable to, a mentor or a group. I have a group equals that are peers, that I, like a mastermind or a professional organization, and then I have a minus, and that's not a negative term. It's just somebody that is further behind me on the path that I'm helping move forward. And so I actually have those three things in my life, and I think they're instrumental in keeping me in growth because people like us, Hirsch, like you and I, that think about things deeply and we're seekers and we've found some success, it can be really easy for us to like jujitsu our way into not growing anymore because it's almost like we've got it figured out. But the truth is – by having that plus equals minus, there's always a reason for you to be a little bit uncomfortable in pursuing growth. And so that's built into my calendar as well. And like I said, you know, it's, it's people think that they have to do things, but ultimately in the short term, maybe you do, but over the course of time, just by simply setting up boundaries that are for you and your life, you know, you very quickly will be living the way that you want to live. Whether that means you're homeless or whether that means you're wealthy, well, that's all about what you're choosing to do. What really intrigues me about you is is this kind of this ambitious serenity in a way that you you have a real you're real laid back, but you're but you're doing stuff. And I and I wonder like, is that a coachable thing or is it just your is it just is it you know is there a point at which you say yeah you know this works for me right i have the my you know i can get i can chill out and i can do my you know my family time and start my work at one does it work is it a coachable thing or is it just you that's a great question because ultimately i think you have to decide to accept and uh, adapt to coaching. And so what I can tell you is that my personality is the combination. And this isn't a, I am the combination of the five people I spend the most time with, but I can tell you there are words that I say certain ways. There's attitudes I take about life. There's ways that I uh, overcome certain types of struggles that I can tell you the name of the man or woman who I learned that from, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's my Sergeant, Sergeant Andrew Hewton, uh, you know, God rest his soul. He recently passed away, whether it's him, that's my bro culture. That's who you hear if you're in the gym with me and I'm pumping people up and clapping my hands. Uh, whether it's my great friend, Martin Rawls, me and in the way that he leads his team, I've seen, he's the smartest guy in the room and I've never seen him treat any employee or any waitress or any, anybody with anger or with, uh, with putting people down. And he certainly could because he's usually correcting people's mistakes or whether it's my other good friend, Angelo Cisco, who's his whole thing is called alpha hippie. You should meet Angelo. You talk about the serenity with ambition, alpha hippie. Here's, here's a CrossFit guy with a deep voice, real good, you know, powerful presence, really fit. And he's loves every human being he comes in contact with. And it's, it's this idea of being, you know, you, there is strength and from strength, we can choose to, to take advantage of people or we can choose to help people and, and give back to people and make people feel loved and welcome in a room. And that to me is a very worthy endeavor. So if you're asking, can I pass this on to somebody, hang out with me, hang out with Angelo, hang out with Martin. And pretty quickly you'll see, it's like when you, when you join a great gym, you join a great CrossFit gym and you want to go out. You're a young person. You're in your 20s. We're all going out. But 
we're not slamming beers necessarily. We're not eating Chicago style pizza. So there's this thing where you surround yourself with people where the virtuous thing and the cool thing are the same thing, right? You spend time with, with stand-up comedians. There's a culture to that. And so you're going to be much funnier in six months. Now you may yeah. have an unhealthy lifestyle, but you're going to be a hell of a lot funnier, right? And so yeah. what I would say is surround yourself with people that you aspire to be like, with people who are aspiring to be similar to you, or maybe even people that are aspiring to be like what they view you as now. You'll be surprised how quickly you live up to somebody else's impression of you. That's a great point, Jason. I mean, you know, the, the idea of both, you have to be ready for it, I think is my caveat. You have to be ready for that, because some people dip their toe in, in a good habit, which is which is great. We all start somewhere, you know. Not everybody commits, you know, full throttle to everything in their life at once, Certainly. you know. But so you got to be ready for it. But when you are ready for that, uh, that group of people that are, and probably within that group, there are people like you described. There are people ahead of you, people behind you, people, people exactly on your uh, at your at your pit, at your place. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're right that you know, you're all going to, you're going to experience fun in a way that is aligned with your other goals that you're pursuing, you know, at the same time. And, um, and so I, I can see that. I can see that. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I, I was thinking about this recently that I, uh, my son's trying to figure out, you know, where does he want to live? Does mm -hmm. he, does he, you know, he's grown up, in in LA and in and in New Jersey and he is comfortable in New Jersey and his mom's still in New Jersey and it's like you know I'm in Iowa so I'm kind of in I'm transient you know in the sense that I we don't know where we're going to go after Iowa we know we're going to mm -hmm. make a move in the next couple of years but we don't know where and also for us the kids are all over the place oh you're telling me where are you telling come me come on out yeah I would love to have to, you man we get, we're we're starting a revolution out here yeah yeah well it's not yeah. far no you're you should not come visit. Far. I'd love to have you. Well, I definitely should come visit. Thank you. But my point was that, like, I feel like my people are are not all in one place. My people are are all over. I always wondered, you know, why why is this neighborhood not? Where are my people? And then you find your person. You find like mm -hmm. a person in the neighborhood, but they're that one person in that neighborhood, and they found you, and you found them. But that neighborhood isn't, you know, necessarily your people. Mm -hmm. And so now I've realized, no, I just, I found my people and I continue to find my people. They're just not all in one place. There are, there, there is the community isn't a geographical, you know, definition. There's something to that maybe in your, you know, as we always think about branding, we always think about yeah. promoting and growing. There is something about the community being, uh, it's not even figurative. It's just not geographical about it not being geographical. I couldn't agree more. I literally came out of a float tank one day thinking I was going to write that book, which is sort of like, why do you live where you are? Like, why are you where you are? If right. you imagine everybody, you know, hypothetically coming over, you know, through Ellis Island or whatever, like, why did your people stop there on a macro level? And then on a micro level, like, why are you in Iowa or in LA or wherever? Because I moved from Chicago to the Indiana Dunes and the Indiana Dunes, I feel 
a little bit like a sliver in the finger of my community. I don't feel myself reflected in many of the places around. I don't see a ton of entrepreneurs. I don't see a ton of fast paced, you know, movers. You know, there aren't people that are doing some of the stuff that I'm doing. You need a checkbook if you're going to live where I live. And if that makes any sense, you need a yeah. checkbook and you schedule things on pencil, pencil and paper and you, <laughs> and you, and you send things through the mail. And so it's like, that's, that's one of those things where I, at first I felt like a sliver in the finger of my environment. I felt like I was being slowly rejected. And at first I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to help these entrepreneurs and I'm going to do this. And then I realized, no, 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 these people want it this way. I'm the one that's raging against it. And so what I ultimately decided was I'm going to have to find outlets where there are these things. And like you alluded to, it's not geographic. It's podcasting and coaching and talking to versions of me who grew up in Maine or Maryland or Texas or Portland, Oregon, uh, which has been a really really eye-opening experience because I see all the different opinions expressed from someone who was very much like me when you talk about the recipe. And then the second thing I did was I joined a, a local gym, a local tribal community. In this case, it's kickboxing and jujitsu, but it certainly could have been hot yoga or cycling and spin or CrossFit or whatever else, because those folks go do something really hard with a group of people that are there to do the same thing and try not to develop deep bonds. The the men in my life who, who end conversations with I love you, brother, almost exclusively come from places where we try to kill each other on the mat. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny because I don't have that uh, that that ferocity in in the gym like I do kickboxing, but it's not I'm not sparring kickboxing. Yeah. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing like circuit kind of kickboxing. Gentle but it's boxing. hard. It's hard, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 It's hard. Yeah. Like I, I was thinking today as I was, as I was doing my version of round kicks, I was thinking, you know, I don't know if that would even clear Jean-Claude Van Damme's balls. <laughs> well, I that's probably what you're aiming for. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like if I'm supposed to do that thing yeah. where I come within an inch of his, of his forehead, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I'm even, I don't know where I were, but I'm doing it. I'm doing yeah. it. I'm trying to get that extension. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get better, but I don't have that ferocity thing about, you know, you're trying to kill each other on the mat, but, um, but I do have that. I love you, man thing yeah. where, uh, where I have always felt that, that closeness to the people that I really care about. Although it's interesting because not everybody has that. Not everybody's comfortable with that. The more explicit it is, I think typically it's just a, it's just a function of maturity, but also a little bit of personality. Yeah, yeah. certainly there's people that, that I don't say that to that I love, you know, to your point earlier about kickboxing, some of the biggest parts of my community at my gym that I've owned for 12 years, some of the biggest parts of that are not athletically gifted people. They're people that believe in living towards an ethic. And so I don't care if your roundhouse kicks me in the face, the balls or the shins, the fact that you're there and the fact right. that you're doing the thing. So you think of the Vitruvian man, right? You think of uh, Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian man, uh, or, or, you know, I think, um, I think uh, Socrates or Plato had like this idea of a virtuous man or woman, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you think about what that person does. That's your ethic. That's the ethic you uphold. Okay. And then your, your actions are what you're doing. Are you behaving like someone who upholds that ethic? The people that I respect are behaving in accordance with their ethic. And the people who aren't suffer from what's called dissonance. That's the difference between right. 
the ethic and the behavior. And so if I say I identify as a long distance cyclist and how I do that is by living on my couch, eating pizza every night. Well, I'm probably not going to be super happy with myself because I'm lying to myself every single day about what my identity is. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, so I'm, I'm agnostic either uphold the ethic of the couch potato and then love yourself for it, which I don't choose to do or get the hell off the couch and get on a bike. Yeah. Yeah. You may, you may actually have the, the ethic. You're just not living it. In other words, you you know which ethic you want to pursue, you know with it which ethic you want to embrace, and you're getting in your own way, or you're just, you know, you're just afraid, man. The good news about doing things that are a little scary is that once you do them, it's like the kid, like kids, like kids that go on a, you know, go on a roller coaster or whatever. Once they get over that thing, they come right off and they go right back up that ladder. They go, they they're they can't wait to do it, to do it again, or yeah. to even up the ante, you know. Yeah. And to your point, you're, look at you, you're living the ethic of a good podcaster, of somebody who has a brand that they actually authentically identify with. What's the first thing I told you when I got on the call with you? I love your background. What's the first thing you did with me? You, you told me to, to man up and, and fix my audio over here because you're behaving like a professional. You know, and, and that to me is, is so much more important than actually whether or not you ever have a million followers or anybody does anything for you or, 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 or ever you get traction at the result. That's not something you can control. What you can control is the ethic that you live up to every single day. And like I look at the picture on my screen right now and I go, that guy's a professional podcaster. Like that's a guy I want to talk to. If, if I want to go on a podcast, I want to be on his and, and I want to hear what you have to say about branding and what is a brand and, and all that type of stuff that, that maybe I give some side thought, but it's not my whole existence. Right. And not to say it's yours. I'm just saying like, this is, you're a professional at that. And so I guess this is my, my ham fisted way of turning the tables on you and saying like, you know, what is, what is, what is branding to you? What does a brand mean to you? Because I would love to know, you know, and, and, and am I on the right path? <laughs> so, so thank you for that. And thank you for the segue also into this conversation, because this is, this is what I, I am passionate about it. I do believe that truth is at the, at the core of every great brand. Hmm. There is a truth that the, that the person who's starting this brand or launched this brand has come in touch with. And now it's about how do I convey it? And I tell people it's much easier to sell the truth than it is to come up with some bullshit story that is just not going to be ultimately valuable to anyone. Think about it that way. Don't think about, can I get, you know, even, 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 even in a, with the best of intentions saying, can I get, can I sell this thing? I have to sell this thing. I have to take care of my family. I want this to succeed. I have to, I have to figure out a way to spin this so that people, people appreciate it and it's good for them. And they, but it's how, let's say it's a healthy food and I'm, and I got to spin it. I got to spin it so that they think it, it tastes good so that they do what's good for them and they have this healthy food, which they know they want anyway. But you're still bullshitting them. You're still bullshitting them. You just have to come out with the with the truth. And I, th I think where it comes from is that as a young person, if there was something that I needed to do, I'll use this example. I had a hernia 
and I was 12 years old and I, and I went with my dad to the, to the doctor and the doctor said, yeah, it's a hernia. That's what you're feeling. We should, we should operate on it. And, you know, but it's not like, it's not going to kill you. You're, you know, you're going to feel this thing. It's popping in and out, you know, the hernia and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So, and I was like, oh, well, I want to get it taken care of. I want to get it taken care of today if I can. And he goes, all right, let's, let's do, we'll do it tomorrow morning. We'll get you in the hospital tonight and we'll be done. And it's like, that's how I operate. Because if I know something to be true, I have to deal with it. I have to deal with it. That doesn't mean that I fixed every problem, but it means that I have begun the journey of addressing every problem because I know that I got to do something about it. You know, we got to do it. Should be mm-hmm. the same way with a brand. I know this is a great product. I know this is a great service. I believe in it. I've worked out the resistance and the problems and the things that people might not like about it. I've confronted them. This I will change. This I won't. And this is me. You know, this is the ABCs of my brand. Yeah. And you would be amazed. How not only are you saving yourself money because you're not going through a bullshit process of just trying to convince people, because if you're convinced, you don't, you are done, man. You have done it. You have succeeded. So in other words, if you, Jason, have come upon spear and clover and the meaning that it holds for you you don't have to sell this thing ever you really don't you don't have to sell it to anyone and that's one of the reasons why i love talking to ceos and founders because they aren't the company isn't so big that there's a marketing director and a vp of marketing and and i and i do do that i do work with brands and sit down with everybody on the chain one-on-one, mm-hmm. which I would rather do than address the audience of the entire organization. I would do that last after I've met with all of the heads of, of all the departments and as many people as the, the CEO wants me to meet with one-on-one mm-hmm. to figure out who their brand really is and what they can do to, to make internally and externally make the message clear. But on a show like this, I want to talk to the person behind the brand because they'll get this. And if you're a VP of marketing for someone else's brand and you're struggling with this and you're listening, you know, you may need to have a conversation with the, with the founder and say, Hey, you know, I, I want to hear from you a little more about, you know, what, what's, what drives you and not what is the tagline and what is the thing and what do we, what do we sell? I know all that. That's how I got the job. I mean, you know, what 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 happened this morning that you weren't going to show up and you showed up anyway? You don't have to. The company's making enough money. Like, why did you show up today mm-hmm. versus yesterday versus tomorrow? Why are you showing up? And and have that have that real conversation, because the great ideas, the great creative ideas are all in there. They're all in there. That's my my favorite thing. That's why when you were talking about, when we started talking about geography, I said maybe there's something to it because for me what resonated was, 
yeah, I do kind of want to come to 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 your to your your place, you know, and kind yeah. of check it out and yeah. see what that does and see what that feels like. But your place here is also, you know, what I'm responding to. And so if you have if you wanted to and this is the next question that I want to ask you, mm-hmm. if I've answered your question, if I Yeah, I, no, this is helpful. I, Super. Yeah. I, I have some thoughts about it, but ask okay. your question. Well, so I want to hear from you, Jason, what now that we're we've gotten through the why and we've talked about what, what motivates you and we've mm-hmm. talked about what you do and how you do it. Now the question is who's who needs to hear it that hasn't heard it yet? And again, we're not worried about we're not worried about selling you. We're worried about sharing you and you like I like I like I was just thinking, I don't want a million followers when you said a million followers, but I would like a million friends. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> that would I be mean? so cool. Like that yeah. would be pretty cool to feel like, yeah. you know, I'm actually doing something for a million people and a million people actually feel like I'm doing something for them and mm-hmm. they feel like they are connected to me and I'm their friend and they're my friend. That I could use, but a million people that are following quote unquote or just, you know, like in a line behind me, amassed behind me, just scares me. That kind of thing. Scares me about anybody. So I made a reel about three months ago and the world rejected it. I'm just going to say that first. They didn't like it. Uh, Maybe it was the algorithm, maybe it was the world, world but I didn't get a lot of love. (laughs) Yeah. But I made a reel because I had this idea. A lot of people love art. Very few people buy paintbrushes. A lot of people love watching a championship fight. Very few people strap on gloves. A lot of people love music. Very few people buy instruments. If you're asking who my people are, my people are paintbrush people. They're the people that own fucking paintbrushes. Love it. Love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's who they are. They're the people that they, you know, when I was a kid, I loved snowboarding. I worked at a snowboarding hill. I loved clothes. I worked at the mall. I liked cars. I worked at the shop. I've always pursued my passions. And so whether that's ADD or entrepreneur's disease or whatever you call it, what I've learned, unfortunately, it took me a while, yeah. was to shepherd my attention towards those things that are virtuous, the things that I would already want to do, the things that I would love to do. And so if you're out there listening to this and you have a strong passion, but you can't put it together to get to the next level, well, that's what I do. But it's, you know, and I've been blessed to have the time to think about the machinations of doing it. I have been blessed to have tried to be a financial analyst, which means I'm great in Excel and I'm great at troubleshooting. I've been blessed to be in the military where I had to solve problems at a very high level that were very difficult. And so those things that I've picked up along the way mean that I just have a couple of extra tools that maybe your average passionate entrepreneur wouldn't have. And I've spent a quarter million dollars on personal development. So that helps too. And so, so, you know, when you talk about, you know, brand there, the thing that it, that I thought was a good brand matches the ethic of the potential buyer and a great brand maybe inspires them to improve their, their behavior as well towards that ethic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you think about like, when I think of good brands, I don't know if you agree or not, but when I think of good brands, the two that come to mind for me are lately, the two that come to mind are, uh, liquid death, I think crushes. I think I've never, I don't know who the owner of liquid death is. I don't know who came up with it. I bet you he's pretty cool or she, 
right? There's another one that's called Go Fast, Don't Die. And it's just this guy that travels around on an old Indian motorcycle and they have like meetups and all this other stuff. I don't own a motorcycle. Thank God I would have never made it this long (laughs) if I did, but I buy those clothes because man, it's it's this ethic that I believe in and that I wish I could uphold. And I, I look at those and it's like, it's easy for him. Why? Because he's not even thinking about it. He's out there on a freaking motorcycle. Right. Great music. Coulter Wall. Coulter, Coulter Wall is this uh, old timey kind of sounds like Johnny Cash, old timey country music guy. I'm not even a big country music fan. But you know what's great about Coulter Wall? Rogan was how I found out about him. Joe Rogan. Uh-huh. Joe Rogan tried to have him on the show and his pe- publicist was like, ah, he's moving cattle for the next nine months. You can talk to him in September. And I'm like that. That's why his music is so good because he's right. actually living the ethic he's singing about. And so to me, it's like I, I use this word capital T truth. It's why I like the things that I like. It's why I like jujitsu because if your thing works and mine doesn't, we find out very quickly. It's truth. And so there's no room for bullshit in kickboxing, in jujitsu, in CrossFit, in stand-up comedy. Is it funny? Did they laugh? Right. Okay, cool. Then say that. You know, the to me, thing about yeah. comedy, by the way, not to interrupt you, but the, the beautiful, the thing that I love about stand-up comedy is that you will come off the stage and first of all, yeah, it's possible that you kill and then you're still not satisfied and you, mm. you know, especially for comedians that are extremely well-known and people love them and they lose that barometer because they're going to get the laughs anyway. But the comedian comes off stage and they're, they want to be honest with you about what happened. They're not going to say, you're not going to, let's say you didn't see them. And then how was your set? Oh, it was awesome. You just don't, you just don't, you don't, that's not part of the culture. The culture isn't bullshit. The culture is not sales. The culture isn't a, a salesmanship culture. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it does them no good to tell you that they did well when they didn't. If anything, they want to tell you what was wrong with it so that you could possibly help them fix it and vice versa. And, so I love that. I love that idea, that immediacy, first of all, you don't have to wait, and the honesty. Mm. Because because it's your worst fear, let's say, and you you you've confronted it. And it may not be pretty. I mean, you may not you may still have work to do. Most likely you do, but at least you're getting that honest diagnosis from the doctor and you and you probably want to fix it as soon as you can possibly do it mm-hmm. so that same principle probably i brought into stand-up which was you know okay tell tell it to me straight and then let me get the surgery tonight <laughs> let, me do the sur- <laughs> let me get that surgery tonight that's funny i don't know if i want them shaving my balls the way that the way they do in the hospital, the, but the, uh, but the audience the audience has their own version of shaving your balls. It's not yeah. quite as safe. At least light a candle, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So where were we? Because I interrupted you. And then... no, you're good. I, I think um, I think ultimately, you know, if I'm listening to this at home, like the first thing I'm thinking, I mean, these guys are talking. We're talking. We're having a conversation. Yeah. And I think a lot of times you don't get that. And I, so I appreciate you. I see you, man. I appreciate you and, and the show you're putting together. So if we've, you've made it this far and you're listening, you know, do Hirsch a favor and go go like this podcast, share it with somebody else and subscribe because this is a conversation that I believe is probably not uncommon on this show. I've, I've talked to you now twice and I think we've had two great conversations. From from my perspective, look, I – and maybe this is where we get back on track here a little bit is like if you're out there thinking about brand or thinking about a business or just coming up with what your mission is going to be or or how you want to live, whatever that is – 
maybe start from the other side of it. And this is how I came up with, with this business. The name already existed, but the business wasn't what do I want to sell? It wasn't how can I make money? It wasn't how can I build tribe even? All those things are important. What it was was what would I stand on a mountain and beat my chest about and fight for? Because I don't like sales, to your point, Hirsch. Yeah. I don't like telling you, you should like this. Fuck that, man. Like, I want to I do a thing. And if you want it, I've never, here, here's a good example. I'm not persistent. If I ever asked a girl out and she wasn't attracted to me, dead. I'm not even attracted to her anymore. Because if you're not attracted to me, what the fuck, what are we doing? And so the same thing with the brand is like, I'm not going to sell you on anything. But dude, if you're into it, or do that, if you're into this, Get on, because we're going for a ride. So to me, it was much more about what would I fight for? And then let's fill in the blanks in reverse from there. That's easy. Like, what would I fight for? What would I fight for? Core values, mission statement, understanding where you want to go, understanding the, the mountain you want to climb, scaling the stuff for, between your brain out to your team. Do that in, with SOPs and with training and, and with finding people that are core value fits for your company. And then flow. You know, I'm a stats guy. I want to know exactly the number that I need to follow that it represents my, my business's heartbeat and its pulse. If we can do those things together, man, that's easy. That's, that's not hard. It's literally just me asking you the questions. And to your point about it earlier, you know, you, most people know what the, the questions or the things that they need to solve or whatever that might be. I would just challenge people, you know, maybe you know, you're not able to answer the biggest questions in your life today, but stop lying to yourself about the little ones and pretty quickly you'll see that grow, your ability to overcome things. So for example, your business, your life, your family, your relationships is asking you questions, asking you challenges and questions of you every single day. And if you lie about the little ones to yourself, how on earth can I expect you to step up and, and overcome big challenges? And so start yeah. with like... Hey, man, how do I feel about the guy I see in the mirror or the gal? And if that's not good, don't pave it over. Open the hood. Let's see what's wrong. How can we fix that? What are you not happy about? Is it the way you behave? Is it the way you treat people? Is it you know how you go about energizing the roles in your, your life or your relationships or your job? Is it, is it physical? Do you not feel good anymore being inside this body? If you don't, let's go. Let's change it, whatever that means. We have the answers. We just have to be willing to address the questions. If I sit down with you and you give me some of the best advice ever, the reason it's the best advice ever is because I, I get it. I understand it and I know mm. what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Very likely, I knew that before we talked. I just didn't – I wasn't accessing it. I wasn't open to it. I wasn't letting myself see it that way. You know, If someone gives you advice and you go, well, that's a crock of shit – well, th th probably it's not the advice for you, right? is it? But if you go, if you go, yeah, dude, I love that. I totally love that. Well, you know, most likely, you know, yeah, you didn't see it. You didn't see it necessarily from Jason's point of view before, but you, you know, good advice when you hear it. Mm. So the converse is how do you know not to follow advice? Because it sounds like stupid advice to you. Yeah. I, I mean, that's pretty simple. It's pretty basic, but I think that's true. So how, how do you know if it's bad branding? Because it sounds like bad branding to you. How do you know if it's fake? Because it sounds fake. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would also say, yeah, this is something I, I see all the time, not to jump in here, but like when I do core values with people and they want to pair it back to me, McDonald's or Apple or, or Ford's core values, I'm like, oh, you haven't done the work and, and, and taken the time to actually consider your actual 
core, like freaking core value. And same thing here. It's like, if I, if I ask you, Hey, like, what should I do to get by this? This is something. And by the way, I'm guilty of it too. I'm not saying this is like an, an ultimate thing. And certainly I'm sure you've done this as well. But if I'm speaking in platitudes and cliches, it doesn't make them not true. It means I'm lazy intellectually. It means that I haven't taken the time to consider my own beliefs on these things and to create a world in which I can say them to you in my own perspective. You know, so grow or die. Is that true? Absolutely. That's true. If we're not growing, we're slowly dying. We're sinking into the abyss, right? If I just say grow or die to somebody or trial by fire or, you know, it takes one to know one, it's like, okay, cool. So that's a thing where I get to shut my brain off for a second, think about something else, and then we move on with the rest of our life in the momentum we were currently in. I am not interested in conversations that do not alter my path in this world. I am only interested in conversations that I get something from, that I give something to, and I move forward with a new understanding of whatever it is that we discussed. If you're not trying to do that, you're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. I hate multiple choice, you know, uh, questionnaires Mm. because they're so easy. doesn't mean I get them all right. I'm not any kind of genius when it comes to testing, test taking, Mm -hmm. but I just, I just, love the I love the essay question and you know that's like if if you would say well who should listen to this show it would be people who are interested in essay questions or like to answer essay questions as opposed to people who just want to know what the what the right answer is if you just want to know whether it's a b or c you know then I'm you know I'm probably not the flavor for you you know d is my favorite D is always my favorite, you yeah. know, all, all of the above, because you could then explain why or none of the above. Those are great. You know, what's, what's, what, what, what do you think? You know, yeah. that's, that would be the multiple choice that I would like to answer. They would say, A, San Francisco, B, the Dominican Republic, yeah. C, the Congo, or yeah. D, what do you think? Yeah, it's funny you say that. I would get in trouble in school for that exact reason. I'd be like, well, technically, if this is the case, then that's not right. I know that's the answer you want me to pick, but right. technically, that could be wrong. I was so concerned about that when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, it's funny. That's guilty a really with an explanation. Thing. Yeah, that's exactly. that's a, that, that's yeah. A, that's another that's another. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, an attorney, but if I if I had gone down that route, that would be like I that would be one of my favorite things. Guilty with an explanation because normally yeah. it's like you know what you did, you did it or you didn't. In or out, guilty or not guilty, guilty or not guilty. You remember uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called with Ralph Macchio and Joe Pesci? Yeah, yeah, uh, great movie. My um, cousin my, Vinny. My cousin Vinny. Yeah. My cousin yeah. Vinny and and um, yeah. and Fred Gwynn uh, the, the plays the plays the judge. And yeah. He goes. I don't want to hear argument or opinion. Yeah. I just want to hear yeah. two words. Guilty. That's a good impression. All not guilty. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good impression. <laughs> I think I get the picture. I yeah. don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch yeah. that, man. That was a good one. Well, we can either come up on hour two or we can or we can we can wrap this wrap this uh, this segment up. If we're going to do that, which I which I which I think we should, because it would be disrespectful of your time for me to, uh, you know, for uh, indef- indefinitely. But Definitely, I would like to turn it over to you for uh, for any message you want to share with the audience, any goodness you want to just infuse. This is being recorded right before Thanksgiving. 
It won't be heard before Thanksgiving, but it will be heard shortly thereafter. It will. This is going to all launch very soon. So, you know, what do you what do you tell my people? What do you say to What do you say to our people? Well, again, thank you, Hirsch, and thank you for what you've built this platform. Right? I mean, I've been on a, a number of shows. I put one together, and so game recognized game. It takes one to know one to use the platitude, and, and I, I just say that if you're out there listening to this, you should appreciate the free content that Hirsch is putting out because it's thoughtful, it's genuine, it's unique, and certainly you'll get value from it. If we're talking about Thanksgiving, shout out to all my folks celebrating Thanksgiving. The thing that that makes me think about is something that I learned in the Army and in sports and in CrossFit and, and in all the stuff that I've done since is your situation is not fixed. You're not a fixed thing. You should be evolving. And so from a Thanksgiving perspective, if you love your family, if you enjoy spending time with your family, that's great. If you don't, I feel for you. But you can change that. And even if you love your family, there's family you're born with and there's family that you choose. Go out and choose to surround yourself with a family of people that have similar goals, that are doing something in the world, that are solving problems, that are working up a mountain. I don't even care which mountain, but they're working towards something, especially if they're doing it together and in goodness and in serving people. And so if we're thinking about what I'm thankful for, I've said this for years and every year I feel like I was kidding the year before, but I'm thankful for the struggle, Hirsch, because without the struggle, I would not have the perspective that I have today. I wouldn't have the resources that I have today. I wouldn't have the relationships that I have today. And I wouldn't know that whatever comes tomorrow, I can deal with it. And so be thankful for the struggle. If you can, I'm still ingredients working my way towards genuine. I always say like, if you're in a car, there's three phases. There's the phase where you're driving and somebody cuts you off and you either yell at them or you even stop and maybe fight them on the side of the street, which I've actually done as a child. There's phase two where you're like, oh, I'm evolved. And they cut you off and you get really mad and you flip them off and then you go, ah, it's no big deal. And you go back to your day. And then there's phase three. And this is where I'm at now, Hirsch, where I'm like driving home, hoping somebody cuts me off so that we both get a great story out of it. You see what I mean? <laughs> and I skip the yelling and go straight to the, <laughs> Yeah, you're going to tell your wife how much of an asshole I was. And that's great because now a story was born. And so, you know, that that's all I really have to share is it's just go out and do stuff. Go out and surround yourself with people that inspire you and, and you know, certainly be thankful for the struggle. Yeah. And if you don't want to visit your family, find your family. Find somebody else. You know, yeah, that's find fine. Find another family. And and to your point, an analogy about the about the people cutting you off. Think about this. Ruminate on this over the over the holiday. There is no universal symbol for sorry. Right? <laughs> so when when someone cuts you off, they may if you assume the best, assume that they have there just is not a symbol. There isn't. You can go like yeah. this, but people could think you're being facetious. Or like if you go like this, you know, they don't know that you're they, yeah. you know, you throw up your hands, they don't know you yeah. there is no like I don't know how you do sorry in sign language, but yeah. we should teach it to everybody. Teach it to every driver. Put it on every driving exam. How do you say sorry in sign language? Right? I think this is diaper change. This is the only this one I know. Maybe diaper I change. Yeah. So see, there's so much room for misunderstanding. <laughs> there you we go. think we're saying sorry. We're really saying diaper change. Yeah. And it's not that the other driver doesn't know sign language. They do. They go, he just said I'm full of shit. Yeah. That guy just said I'm full of shit. <laughs> Oh, where can oh. we go from there, Hirsch? I think we did it. We 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 can wrap it up. Yeah. All right. All right. If you liked the show, yes, and it worked for you. Yes, 
subscribe and leave a yes, five-star review. Yes, Tell all your friends. Yes, get your branding here. Yes, get your branding here. Yes, Did I make it clear? Yes, get your branding on yes. before they're gone. Yes.